0: Welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. I'm your host, Lauren Jackson, and today we kick off a brand new podcast series called Who's in Your Circle. We are going to be talking about the different relationships that impact and influence how you as kids ministry leaders lead and the relationships that help you lead for the long haul. As a way to help you think about your own relationships, we created a Who's in Your Circle guidebook. Inside the guidebook is a space to write notes for each episode. It gives you thought-provoking questions and a space for you to think through your next steps. You can head over to Kids ministry Circle slash podcast to get the guidebook and start listening today. Well, I am so excited to kick off this series with my new friend, Adam Griffin. Adam is a dad, pastor, author, and podcast host. I invited him to be on the podcast today to talk about the relationship between a kids' ministry director or pastor and a senior or lead pastor. We know this can be a weighty topic as we all have our own stories and experiences around this relationship. I pray that this would be an encouraging conversation while also reminding you that Adam does not speak for every single senior pastor out there. And there are going to be pastors that think differently than he does, and that's okay. With any conversation, as we hear things, we can remind ourselves about what is true in God's word and what is true about the leaders around us. But before we jump into my conversation with Adam, I want to remind you about the brand new cohorts we are launching in just a few weeks. We have a kids ministry circle cohort, a student ministry circle cohort, and a next-gen leader cohort. Yes, we have a cohort for the entire family ministry team. These cohorts are nine or 12 weeks of group coaching where leaders get to come together to learn and grow as leaders, build community with other leaders who have similar tensions and gain new insights as you hear what is happening at churches all around the country. You can head to kidsministrycircle.com to sign up. Now onto my conversation with Adam Griffin. Adam, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Yes, I'm so excited. I feel like I listen to you a lot. You're in my ears quite a bit on the Family <laughs> Discipleship Podcast, and so it's fun to actually talk to you and see you, um, at least virtually. Um, so <laughs> kind of as we jump into this conversation, this is actually going to kick off our new series called Who's in Your Circle? So we're talking about just important relationships that kids ministry leaders have that help them lead well, talking to to everyone from counselors to married couples to singles in ministry and volunteers. And this conversation today is all about kids ministry leaders and senior leadership and this working relationship between a lead pastor or executive pastor. And so I'm excited for this conversation. It's a big, I feel like it's a big and weighty conversation, but I know that you are the right person to have this conversation. So why don't you kind of kick off this Conversation by telling us a little bit about yourself, how you yeah. got into ministry, where you're currently serving, and any other fun facts you want to share.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Lauren, thanks for asking me to be on here. This is a conversation I care a lot about. And part of it is, you know, I spent a lot of years working as a student minister, overseeing kids' ministry as a next-gen minister. And so I've been in that, in that point in the organization for a long time. And then I've been a, a lead pastor, church planter for the last six, seven years here in Dallas. And so i you now, from the lead pastor perspective, I've had that, and I definitely have a ton of thoughts about this. So right now, I serve at uh, as the lead pastor at Eastside Community Church in Dallas, Texas. Uh, like you mentioned, I get to host the the Family Discipleship podcast. I get to write, in my off time, I get to write resources for families. So this is a, an area that I think a lot about when it comes to kids, families, student ministry and how that interacts and how it should be going. And then, of course, as an organizational leader, I think about how that works within an organization of a church as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. And that's exactly why I wanted you to be this voice, kind of not necessarily speaking on behalf of all lead pastors everywhere, but just being able to share your experience. And so we're going to jump right in. And I would just love to kind of set a foundation. So let's start off by asking the question, why does this relationship matter? Why should kids ministry leaders invest in a working relationship with their executive pastor and their lead pastor? And again, this conversation can sometimes be really gray because your boss may not be your lead pastor. It may be a family pastor or maybe a executive pastor or someone who's kind of up in that more senior leadership, but kind of speak, I want to speak specifically to that lead pastor role who you may not have a touch point with every week or every other week or even once a month, but why do you think that relationship is important?
1: Well, I think the temptation would be to make that relationship important because it'd be self-serving, right? In order mm-hmm. to get what I want, yeah. I will butter up my boss. In order to get what I think the church needs in my area, then I'm going to... um then I'm going to try to, I don't know, shine them on. I'm going to try to impress them. I'm going to try to make them think I love them. You know, I'm going to laugh at all their right. jokes and that relationship, you know, if it's self-serving, there may be something actually needs to be confessed there with them and say, Hey, I need to be honest with you. Sometimes I try to be a great employee in your mind because I really want a raise, a promotion, kids ministry, get the attention it deserves, and those kind of things. And I want to just appreciate you because you are another person that I work with. Mm -hmm. I think the Lord would call us to love our neighbor, right? And that's going to include our direct reports, the people that we report to. But it also asks us to give double honor to our elders, especially those who preach the gospel. And so I hope that the person in that position in your church is somebody uh, worthy of honor, somebody who's honorable, somebody who's qualified to be an elder. And if that's the case, then obviously we should be treating that person in that position with the respect and honor they deserve. Now, yeah. a lot of times the reason that's hard is because we feel like um, our next gen, our family ministry, our kids ministry gets slighted. It, And we can talk more about that here in a second. And so it is important that you see yourself as an advocate for a ministry that may not otherwise get the attention that it deserves if you don't mm-hmm. say something. Right. But you have to remember that that is in conjunction with missions or men's ministry or women's ministry or marriage ministry and sometimes what happens, especially in a bigger staff, is we're starting to get our head, I need to kind of um, fight for my piece of the pie in the attention of my senior leadership. And while right. that may be the case, that is not a healthy dynamic for a staff. If, if missions ministry starts to be the competition, if groups ministry starts to be the competition, or if men's ministry starts to be the competition versus your coworkers, the people that are on the same mission as you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I get how it happens so easily because it can feel like everybody treats kids' ministry like it's a thing that exists on the side to make the real ministry happen. Right. And uh, certainly I don't want that. We need to talk more about like how to build that philosophy. But I think the reason you want a good relationship with your boss is because you follow Jesus. And Jesus would call you to honor those people who are in authority over your life, including in your occupation, and, uh, yeah. we, you know, there's a whole nother talk about what if that person is not worthy of honor? I mean, that's a, yep. that's a whole nother conversation. Yep, that is. So <laughs> to make sure that our motivation is not self-serving.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's really helpful. And I like kind of how you mentioned just this dynamic of sometimes it feels like kids ministry is not valued enough. And I have felt this in certain positions that I have been in where I don't have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I... And, and I'm being a woman in ministry and oftentimes it feels like a guy's club. And there's so, like, there's, again, there's so many different ways that we can have this conversation, but it's like, well, I feel like I have to be friends with maybe the senior pastor or the senior pastor's wife even yep. to like try and get a seat at the table. And it's much less about getting a seat at the table and finding spaces where your voice can be heard. And that can be in the hallway. That can be trying to, like have lunch with whoever your elder, like who, one of your elders and just sharing your heart for your ministry and not necessarily fighting for a specific seat because you can have a seat at the table and you still can't be heard. Like those two are not the same thing. And so I think that's helpful to kind of keep in mind in this relationship is it it shouldn't be self-serving. You shouldn't want to go over to your lead pastor's house for dinner just so that you can be friends with them so you get what you want. That's not a helpful posture to have. And I think thinking back to like my roles, it was always really helpful to have a good working relationship with the lead pastor because like you said, we're on the same team. We're doing things. And I found that to be helpful when things like All church series were happening. And I had this relationship with the lead pastor where I could stop by his office and say, hey, what are you thinking for this? I'm thinking this. Do you have an idea on this? And just kind of having that sharing and open communication was always so helpful. And having a good friendship and understanding that, hey, we are brothers and sisters in Christ first and foremost as the foundation just helped that working relationship that much better. So.
1: Yeah, it was nice. I can
0: see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of as we talk more about this dynamic, a lot of times there's some conversations in the kids' ministry world where it's easy to make assumptions. I'm going to mm-hmm. assume that my lead pastor doesn't care about kids' ministry. I'm going to assume that it's not as important as what happens in the auditorium or the worship center. It's not like it's like all of these assumptions. Now, there's a lot of things that can be said about how assuming is not great. We should not assume things of others, but in your experience, both as a youth director or youth pastor overseeing kids, but also in this lead pastor role, how have you been able to champion your kids ministry staff, either at the church right now or some other experiences that you have?
1: Well, you know, what's funny about this, Lauren, is like, there's a lot of rooms. I like what you're saying about assuming because you can assume something negative about a lot of rooms. But the truth is also if if I only advocate for kids ministry in staff meeting or only when I'm meeting with the kids ministry and not with the whole, st- the whole church, then I haven't cast mm-hmm. the vision wide enough for who we are. Yeah. So one of the ways that we advocate for kids ministry is not just in our programming and it's not just the way we hire, although those are important. It's not just in our staff meeting or it's not just the way I talk to the kids ministers, although that's important. It's the way we talk to the whole congregation from the stage about what it means to be in kids' ministry and what our kids' ministry does and accomplish. So Mm -hmm. we have certain vernacular that we stay away from. We don't call kids' ministry childcare unless we're offering something that is actual childcare, but we don't, as a church, philosophically, we're not offering childcare. Kids' ministry does not boil down to crackers and crayons for us, and we talk about that. Like This is not somebody's job to make sure that the real ministry can happen. And the same is true for when we cast vision for potential volunteers, be it a membership class or on a Sunday. I talk, I, we cast vision for how important kids' ministry is and the role in which they're serving. And we publicly endorse that. We publicly communicate it. Mm-hmm. And then similar for student ministry, although maybe this isn't as much in the niche of what you think about. So if kids' ministry is, You know, we try to avoid vernacular around, or we talk about like, this is not just crayons and crackers so that we can do real ministry. Similar in student ministry, we'll say, this is not just trying to make church cool so that your kids will want to come here. So we don't just hire somebody cool and young who wants to one day be a lead pastor, but they'll spend a year here with your kids. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to uh, cater to all these. uh, Maybe there are a lot of families who want that. They just want a kid to eat crackers and play with crayons, or they just want a kid to think church is cool we're going to rail against that. We're not going to promise you that you're going to make your best friends in student ministry. We're going to promise you they're going to hear the gospel and they're going to be discipled. We're not going to promise you that your kid is going to come away with the most delicious snack in kids' ministry. We're going to promise you that they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to be prayed for. And that's a very, very serious thing for us. So we have a high bar of who gets to serve there and what they're going to accomplish. Our teaching is very important to us or our curriculum is very important to us. But one of the best ways we can advocate for the kids' ministry is that, communicating it to the church. And then secondly, if like as a lead pastor, if I want to advocate for them, if the first thing is my mouth is speaking to the church, the second thing is being able to listen to the kids ministry mm, Yeah, is making sure that they have a place. So right now at Eastside, we don't have like an executive room where there's like a different group of people making decisions. Although I've been in churches uh, that, are, that are like that sounds like Lauren, you've been a part of that too, where you're not like at the table. We are intentionally we bring everything we can to staff meeting. So everybody gets to talk through it. Everybody hears it from every department. We don't have a separate group that's doing that except for our elders. But even that we're trying to listen to every department, listen to what the kids ministry is saying. And we give space in every staff meeting every week to talk about how was Sunday, what went well, what could have been better kids ministry. How do we help you? And we have on our list of things we go through for the planning for the next few Sundays. There's always a talk about like, okay, how did things go in kids ministry? How can the rest of the staff be helpful? And in one sense, it's also casting vision for the rest of the staff that we all work kids ministry. We all Mm -hmm. work for us what we call connections. We're all looking for the visitor. We're all looking to serve the kids. part of that is we believe it's one of the largest unreached people groups, quote unquote, that comes into our church every week is a bunch of kids who don't know Jesus yet. And so we, that's an easy vision to cast and a great way to work, but it is, it's hard. And a lot of people don't love it. And I get that. And so we're trying to like, we're not trying to lie to anybody and manipulate it into them. We're also trying yeah. to be really honest yep. about how important it is. So I hear that from our kids ministry team. I try to create an environment where they can, uh, we keep our organization uh, pretty shallow. In other words, there's not like, I'm not somebody's boss is somebody's boss is somebody's boss is somebody's boss. And then the kids minister's boss. Right. You know, So I want uh, that kind of uh, horizontal org chart to make it so the kids ministers can feel like they could come in.
0: Yeah. And then
1: even yesterday, our, our kids ministry team was having like a little Christmas party together. I didn't know about it, but I sure bust in there and try to be <laughs> encouraging and and take pictures for them and send them out to the staff. And I try to brag on them and I try to create an environment where they know I will listen in an environment where they know like I will speak on their behalf. And those mm-hmm. are the two biggest things I think that create that that safety.
0: Yeah. That's so awesome. You're such a great boss. That's great.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks, Lauren. You've never worked for me, but I approve I no. <laughs> uh, of your assumption
0: yes, I that do. maybe
1: I'm a good boss.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Um, okay, so there might be some kids ministry leaders who listen to that and they say, wow, that's such a great church. Or Adam is doing such a great job. Or, I mean, I've never worked for someone who did that. And a lot of times kids ministry leaders are, they they have the vision they have the family ministry vision the vision to reach kids and it's not communicated well from the top or from the down from down up it's not totally. it's just not reaching they just feel like their senior leadership is not talking about kids ministry enough and now there's some balances like I don't think there's you don't need to do a stage announcement for kids ministry every single Sunday that's not how it should work mm-hmm. um, going back to this idea of Every ministry is on the same team, but how do you encourage or kind of like guide some kids ministry leaders who want to communicate the vision, who want to maybe turn the ship in a little bit and say, hey, can we think about kids ministry or family ministry this way? Can we get some public buy-in from our staff? Because unfortunately— when a lead pastor gets up on stage and asks for volunteers, you often get a lot more volunteers than when a kids ministry leader gets up there sure. and asks for volunteer asks for volunteers. And so kind of how do you walk that line of the kids ministry leaders and the staff have some vision and want some things changed or maybe just improved going up to their yeah. leadership?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, Lauren. And again, a lot of these depend on what is the dynamic of the church that you find yourself in? What's the history and what's the philosophy? I will tell yeah. you a couple I think that I think are broadly applicable. I think that uh, typically the stereotypical kids minister in the church knows how important family ministry is, knows important kids ministry is, and feels like maybe their lead pastor doesn't feel the same way or their elders mm-hmm. don't feel the same way. And so they feel like they have to abdicate for that. And that's great. And I think that's important. I do hope that they find their leadership appreciates and recognizes how important it is. I think it's important, though, for any kids minister to understand if you're in a lead pastor role, everybody in every department might be coming to you with that same exact feeling. Yeah. And so if you're presented with, you're not presenting missions as important as it should be or you're not presenting our ministry to men here or our ministry to women here, our ministry to senior adults, or what about the singles? And you start to go down the list. And if the kids minister is just one more person who's coming in the office and saying, hey, you're not paying enough attention to what we do. And if it comes across as nothing is as important as kids ministry, that is not going to go well for you. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is kids ministry, while it is very important, it is not the only thing the church is responsible for. And yeah. Family discipleship, which I'm a huge advocate for, equipping parents to disciple their kids is so very important, but it is not the only thing a church is tasked with. And a lead pastor has a lot of pressures and a lot of things to consider. So if instead of coming in with kind of a chip on your shoulder about how important your ministry is, you can come in with some empathy that says, hey, I, I bet you have these kind of conversations all the time about every ministry here. Mm -hmm. But since I'm the kids minister, I'd love to hear from you, like, what is your personal philosophy on this? How can I help you shape it? What are avenues to communicate this? And if there's ways too, that you can come in having bridged what you do with the other departments. If you have a bigger staff, if you have a missions minister that you say, hey, let's think about how missions and kids ministry aren't siloed, but could do something together or how women's ministry, whether it's mother, daughter, or mother, son, or it's just thinking about you know, how we involve each other. And it's not just about, can I get more volunteers? Why aren't we getting enough? Why are we not getting enough attention? How can we have to compete for, if, you know, for the, the limited amount of announcement time or the limited amount of attention? I get that. But if everything becomes a competition, kids ministry is going to be just one more thing. And it's not going to be everything you hope for it to be that that's not yeah. going to be solved by you coming in with a chip on your shoulder saying like, no, nothing is more important than what I do. Yeah. You have to be humble enough to say, I am leading an important part, but it is one part of what this church is assigned to do. Does yep. that make sense?
0: Totally. And I think it's a good It's good to remember that sometimes kids ministry leaders can often say, well, if just my lead pastor would do this, it would solve all my problems.
1: Right. The kind of grass is greener doing? mentality of like, yes. if I just had that lead pastor, if he just thought this, uh, then everything would change for me. And I get that. And there is an extent, I'm sorry. I I, I want to get back to what you're saying here in a second, but I do think it's also important to remember if you can come in to a meeting that you're going to call and you are prepared and you are showing them how important it is and you're, you're coming in with a plan, but it's not like, Hey, um, here's what I think you should do so much as like, can I invite you into the way I'm thinking about it? There is something that's really helpful to a lead pastor in Mm -hmm. depending on the person, you know, but uh, if you have a lead pastor who just thinks that you need to disappear, get enough volunteers, that's your job, and make sure the kids don't bother us while we do adult ministry, that will be really, really hard. And I want to sympathize yeah. with that as well. And that and it may be, there may come a point, Lauren, like you and I have talked about, where you go, this is not a church I can work in any longer. Mm-hmm. Or Mike yeah. Iaconelli, used to write a lot about student ministry. He would call it getting fired for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. saying like, I am going to do the job I believe needs to be done. And if that doesn't fit with this church, then I may need to leave. And that may be the case as well. Sorry to interrupt what you were saying.
0: No, that's great. It's kind of actually along the same lines of what you just said of just, like oftentimes we can't can't think that just because we get a stage announcement or just because our lead pastor says this from the stage, that everything's going to be easier. And it is, I think— The times where I have showed up to a staff meeting and did exactly what you just said. I came prepared. I came with, Hey, here's my top three ideas or here's X, Y, and Z that we're having for this event. Like I think back specifically to at one church environment, we started this pancakes and pajamas Christmas event. It was, we partnered it with missions and it was me and the youth pastor and our missions team. And we like all worked together. And we brought it to our senior leadership and they were like, this sounds great. We'll be there. Like it just, they got excited because we had done the work. We didn't go in and say, hey, we need you guys to be at this event. It was like, hey, we're doing this. The whole church is invited and this is going to be so fun. And obviously your kids are going to want to be there. And so then it's just... It was more inviting in terms of like, hey, we need you to be here so that we can get the church involved. It's, no, no, we're going to do this. It aligns with our mission We're like, we have space in our budget, like all of these things lined up. And yeah. that was just one really cool way that we were able to get some lead pastor and senior leadership buy-in is because we invited them to participate. They didn't have a role. They just got to do ministry alongside us, which is probably really sweet for them.
1: Yeah. And I think what you're describing there is the concept there is instead of just presenting problems, I want to go into a meeting presenting Mm -hmm. solutions. Yeah. So I'm not just going to come to a meeting and say, here's the issue, here's the issue, here's the issue. And sometimes no matter what you think, a lead pastor will take that personally because they look at problems in the church as their problem. Even if you're thinking, Mm -hmm. I'm just presenting what the problem is, kids ministry, lead pastor hears, okay, so I'm not doing my job right. Even Mm -hmm. if it's your department. Yeah. and then you prevent solutions remember and, and think about the the person that you're following in the lead pastor role and go what would honor them and bless the philosophy I know this church has so this church has a philosophy of like we really want to serve in the community then you go okay i want to present ways that maybe we can paint the picture of what kids ministry looks like as we put together an event where we're serving together or as yeah. we put together a curriculum that focuses on what if if the lead pastor is like, hey, this fall, we're going to be preaching Isaiah. I can't wait for it. Then maybe you go, maybe a way that I can get my lead pastor to think differently about kids ministry. is by saying, hey, I'd love to set up a meeting just to hear you, cast vision about where you're going with Isaiah. So I can similarly lead uh, the kids down the this, this same line. And you're going now, instead of being the problem and stating the problem, I'm presenting a solution that also helps me build something with the lead pastor mm-hmm. that's going to bless the kids ministry and the philosophy of family ministry in the church. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's great. I say it's always helpful to ask questions. If you don't know, like it's like if you don't know what your budget is, well one you should know what your budget is. But it's like right. if you don't know what's coming up down the line, kids ministry leaders are thinking like right now this is the beginning of 2024 when this podcast goes live. And so people are thinking about Easter, thinking about summer, thinking about fall, and there's a pretty good chance that your senior leader and your lead pastor have already thought about spring, summer, fall, And they just may not be communicating that with you. And I think it's okay to go to your senior leadership and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this for the summer. Can I see maybe your preaching calendar? Or what are you planning? Or kind of, it's okay to ask those questions. You shouldn't be afraid to want to collaborate. And I think that's important to remember.
1: Totally. Yep. Or you go to them with some options and say, we're thinking this, this, or this, but we'd love you to weigh in on it. And, and that, that can also reach a point where it's like, hey, you do need to do your job and maybe there's yep. some trust there to do it. But if you are trying to build a relationship where you're trying to build trust where there hasn't been, then you come in with options that are all solutions and let your leadership weigh in on it.
0: Yep. Yep. I like to do that. Like first six months to a year in a job is that dynamic where it's like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Can you give me feedback and make sure this aligns with where, with who this, the culture of this church is, because a lot of times I've jumped into a role and I wasn't a part of the church. And so I was learning the mm. church culture. And and so that first six months, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And they're like, cool, that's like on track with where we're going or who we want to be. And then you get to a point where it's like, I made this decision. I made this call and it should align. And if it doesn't, then there's a conversation afterwards. But right. for the most part, that's excellent. Yep. it's good. Okay, so I kind of want to talk about, we touched on this a little bit already, but just this idea of If there's tension, when there's tension, how do you manage that relationship? Maybe if you don't agree with a decision that's being made, or you don't agree with the direction that they're going, or you presented all of these ideas and everything gets shut down. And I mean, I can't remember how many times I've been told there's not budget for that. And I'm like, okay, let's reshift and refocus. And so I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. But when you feel like there's tension with what's happening at the senior leadership level and kids ministry, what do you do?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And I think the vice versa is also possible where a senior leader is asking a kids minister over and over and over again to do something and they're just not doing it. They're just totally. not getting it done. Or they're yeah. told this is the budget and they overspend the budget. And it's it that can be the frustration can come from either direction. And I've lived yep. both of them And so, and and that's not to say anything negative about our current kids' ministry at Eastside. They're wonderful and honestly doing a great job. But I think one of the ways you handle that is again, depending on your dynamic you have with them, you want to make sure that you handle it in the right order. Mm -hmm. So that most churches will have some kind of org chart. You know who your direct report is. Yeah. And without gossip and without slander, how do you express frustration with a decision or a feeling of a lack of support? And I would say that goes, uh, the, the next step up the ladder should be the first step. So if you have if you talk to somebody who's uh, a lay elder or is uh, over your boss before you've talked to your boss, that can cause a whole nother dynamic issue. Mm-hmm. So I'd say start with your direct report. Don't start with kind of lateral gossip which is very common. Hey, are you having the same experience or this is driving me nuts? Or you go somewhere and slander your leadership, which is very, very common to slander leadership happens all the time. And it's not okay. The Lord has a lot to say about that sense of gossip and slander,
0: Mm -hmm. but
1: it's also okay to say, I am, I am frustrated and I see things differently. And I'm going to take that to the place where it needs to go. Now, Where that goes really poorly is if you feel like you are taking that somewhere and it's not getting anywhere. So then where do I go with it? I've taken it to my direct report, but he or she is not taking it to the pastor or taking to the elders or, or maybe the direct report is the lead pastor and he's just not on the same page you are. Mm -hmm. And that can be really, really difficult. I would say being patient and asking good questions is usually going to be your best route to reconciling that and getting on the same page again. Cause if you lose your cool and you start to be brash or rash or have a chip on your shoulder, it's not going to solve anything for
0: you. Yeah.
1: And it's so gossip and slander is not going to solve anything for you. It's, it's detrimental to a church. So going to the root of the problem, if that's your direct report or going to the next step up and then having a patient conversation, that's honest saying, I think this is where I am, where I'm seeing things. Tell me if I'm not seeing this right
0: mm-hmm. and
1: humbly being willing to admit like what, What portion am I contributing to this? Yeah. But there's a lot of people that have interpersonal problems at work. You know, it's not just in the church. That's everywhere. And of course, every lead pastor, every direct report, every family pastor, every kids minister is an imperfect person that's going to have to, if they're going to walk into godliness, admit like, I'm a part of this problem. And what part of this problem am I contributing to? Even if it's just having a a bad attitude about it. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's been a lot of times where um one of one of my favorite bosses thinking back to um just a previous job, he was actually the he was one of the discipleship pastors. That was his role and um he oversaw family ministry and one of my favorite things about him is that he always spoke so highly of me
1: mm.
0: in public.
1: Right. And that like, goes a I long was, way.
0: It does. And I was 21 years old, my first like full-time kids director ministry role. I was overseeing two campuses. There were so m- I made so many mistakes. I just mm-hmm. like I didn't know what I was doing. I was so young. And what he did is that if someone came to him with like a Lauren did this or this is something that's not working well in kids ministry, he just continued to be so positive in front of people and just really championed me well where then Later that week, we would have a conversation about it and, like, try and come up with some solutions for whatever was not working well. But he never stood in front of a church member or someone who was talking to him and say, oh, yeah, Lauren just really, like, messed up here. Like, he just, he always just championed me really well. And that's something that I have taken for 10 plus years that, like, really... That I really valued in that role, and so I think um, that definitely goes both ways. I think sometimes very it's really, much so, it's really yep. easy to have a church member come up to you and say, "Oh, I didn't really like." Even like with all your stuff, it's like so many times it's like, oh, I didn't really like that song that the worship pastor played today. And you're just like, it's so easy to be like, yeah, me neither. I didn't like it. I don't know why he (laughs) made that choice, but it's like instead be like, okay, how can I continue to be honoring with these people that I work with and continue to honor them? And some of those things are so little. And we know like church, sometimes church people can just pinpoint the smallest thing of like. The lead pastor wore this shirt instead of this shirt, or he said something about this sports team instead of this sports team. And so I think it's just important to remember that you're on the same team. I feel like we've said that a lot in this episode of you're on the same team And you should really strive for what's coming out of your mouth to be honoring and supportive and championing to your fellow staff members. And so I thought that was really helpful.
1: Yeah, related to what you're saying, you know, I love that that pastor gave you public praise. You know, a lot of times private criticism is what we all deal with. them. when it becomes public, it's really negative. Yeah. But there's an opportunity every week as a kids minister, typically in a church, to give uh, some kind of encouragement to your lead pastor or to your direct report. And uh, if it's sincere and genuine and not self-serving, then it should be shared. You know, yeah. so maybe just an email that says, hey, here's something that you said in your sermon that really the Lord used to touch my heart. Mm, not yeah. so that you can butter them up, But you're trying to build a relationship. So when you have a sincere, like when God is using somebody in your life, wouldn't you want them to point that out? And for some reason in the lead pastor role, we don't because we assume, oh, they know, you know, but they often are sitting in the same kind of spot you are as a kids minister going like no one notices, no one's acknowledging. And the difference is that they get to make decisions that affect you. You don't get to make as many decisions that affect them maybe which is a privilege in the lead pastor role, but it's not a, its not a lesser opportunity to be encouraging. You would want them to notice your, your pancake event and say, man, that was great. That was wonderful. Isn't Lauren doing a great job? Well, you have that opportunity almost every week to yeah. say, man, I loved it when in this sermon you pointed out, I've never thought about that before. The Lord has used that to touch my heart. And you're going to be building something there. And it's going to be built on sincere, genuine encouragement.
0: Yeah, that's so good. That's so encouraging. And that's something that people can do today. Like people listening could send an email today to really anybody amongst their staff. And that just cultivates a church staff culture of gratitude. And I think that really impacts, that really takes it from the staff and then can weed out into the volunteers and the people. And when your church staff is healthy, it is crazy how much that's noticed. Yeah. And like, we go to a church right now where the staff genuinely loves each other. And that ma- like that matters to us. And we can feel that. And like, when the one thing we say a lot to our staff is like, you guys are the same people on Sunday than you are when we see you on Wednesday. That's good. And that's just one thing that like, we love to share and we love to talk about, um, because it matters. It, like when people are looking for a church, you want some of that. It's like Google reviews, but like, in person and like, oh, I know, I actually know this yeah. person and they're doing a great job. And we really actually like being in community with them. Um, there was one thing that you said, now I'm blanking on what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you a question. Um, but I do want to shift gears just one more time because we mentioned it bef- I, before earlier of just this idea of, um, there's kind of two last questions. The first one is, how do we as Christ followers follow the leadership that God has put before us. And we kind of, there's a, probably going to be a lot of repeat things, but just in general, like like what you said about there's church, there's a work conflict and relationship conflict anywhere, not just in the church. And totally. so this can go beyond kids ministry, but maybe when someone's walking into a role or maybe there's a leadership change and you're like, I don't know why that person's in that role or I don't know if they're going to do a great job or maybe it's like, oh, they're just young in ministry, but like, how can we as Christ followers, I'm not going to, the word submit is a big word and I'm hesitant to use it, but in a lot of ways it is. Like, how can we kind of get behind the leadership that God has put in place for that specific season in your church?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Scripture would talk about how followers in a church are called to be a joy to lead their elders and sometimes people think that's comical but that is the bible that you would be a joy to lead and so think about what would it take for you to be a joy to lead i mean Mm -hmm. if parents know what it's a joy to have a kid and when your kid is obedient when your kid is kind when your kid is encouraging for us it's similar like if you're a, a church worker when you're walking in integrity when you're doing a good job when you don't need to create a system that needs to monitor how many hours you're working and whether or not you're doing your things, whether or not you're doing it well, because you're doing it. You're, you're a hard yeah. worker. So be obedient. Do, do everything with everything you've got as for the Lord, not for men. And that's a big part of it. It's just like, first, start with being a person of integrity. That will make you a joy to lead. Mm-hmm. Then secondly, a, a person of encouragement to say, what can I find that is good in this person? And point that out. And then a person of humility that says, where can I find in myself things that need to change, that I'm a, I'm, I'm a contributing factor to what's not perfect, and where can I surrender that? Where can I submit that to, to the leadership and say, hey, I see this in me. Do you see this in me? Uh, you know, I don't know how uh, personnel evals have worked at the different churches you've been at, Lauren, but when we would do our annual evals, it always blessed me. If somebody I was overseeing came in already fully aware of where they are not doing everything they could. It made our conversations yep. way easier to say either I'm seeing the same thing or you're being too hard on yourself versus the person who came in so afraid that we might have that talk that they didn't mention any of their uh, any of their problems, any of their shortcomings. Yeah, and I think having a real self-awareness around humility uh, around, uh, you know, your your shortcomings is going to go a long way for any person, but certainly for a, uh, a church worker. At the end of the day, if you if you don't have good leadership though, you may have to leave. There are mm-hmm. there is such a thing as abusive leadership. There is such a thing as person who's been disqualified from leadership, that the leadership has refused to step down or move out yeah. of the way. And there are times to fight that and sometimes to flee that. Yeah. And you are in a job, you are not a, that is not a marriage. You are able to say, I can pursue the Lord and walk away from this. I don't need to have mm-hmm. biblical grounds for leaving this job. I can just leave. I can leave over interpersonal reasons or I can leave over a lack of trust. But what's not going to help is to fight when it was actually time to be patient and talk, you know, to create a battle where the Lord would call you to have unity. You create division. And so if you start to see things in yourself that are envious, covetous, gossip, slander, those are things to confess, not things to make yourself feel better by having Knowledge that makes you feel powerful or makes you feel better, or to badmouth somebody in leadership because it makes you feel like you know better. I think those are all things that we need to surrender to Christ to say, if this doesn't honor you, Lord, then I don't want it in my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Okay, let's talk about that. And the last kind of question is how do you leave well? Oftentimes people leave and they like want to bring everything to the light. They want to say everything they can before they kind of slam the door behind them. And yeah. sometimes people leave without saying anything and they're like, were they upset? What happened? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And so how can someone leave well when it's just not a good fit? There doesn't have to be a moral failure or something that kind of went wrong, it can just not be a good culture fit. And so for kind of from both angles, how can someone leave well?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things you could do is you ask for an exit interview with the person that you would like to have do your exit interview to say, there are some things I'd like to share before I go, but that does not, that should not be some public social media slandering of a church that does not serve the Lord. You ask for an exit interview where it should be, and that's really important. I've, I've, I've had that as I've left churches. As churches leaving has not gone well sometimes. Sometimes it's interpersonal. Sometimes it's problem. Sometimes people have made assumptions to my detriment, and that really hurt. And mm-hmm. so we've had to navigate that. Sometimes when it's been interpersonal, one on one, then I have those conversations one on one. Yeah. When it's organizational, then I have that conversation in an exit interview. But no one wants to see the cowardly, like throw the grenade, walk out the door and slam it. Kind of like I was right, you were wrong. Uh, you don't want that. And right. it is, does not serve the church and it does not honor Jesus to do things like that.
0: Yeah, that's great. Okay, the last question we always ask is if you were talking to someone who was brand new in kids ministry, and you can, if you want to, you can spread this over to youth ministry if you want. But if you were talking to someone who's brand new, in their role, what would be your words of encouragement or advice?
1: Yeah, I think words of encouragement would be about how just thoroughly important that role is, so treat it as such. Uh, Try your best not to develop a chip on your shoulder that says, I am more special or more important than other people or other ministries, but do everything you can to understand that what the Lord has called you to is significant. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I would say the more you know names, the better. Like knowing kids' faces is great. Knowing their names is better. And then go one step further and say, if knowing their name is great, knowing their story is even better. So Mm -hmm. faces, names, and stories is a good uh, chart to think through on the people that I'm called to minister to. Am I just concerned about how many of them are coming to my program and leaving happy? Or do I know their faces, names, and stories? Yeah, and if I know their faces, names, and stories, then I know how to pray for them. I know how to lead them, and I'm part of their life. And that's what a minister is called to do. Mm
0: -hmm. Sometimes
1: when we get into kids ministry, you know, people you end up being a project manager, and while project management is a part of that job and a part of many church jobs, the encouragement I would give is to remember you are a shepherd, and a shepherd doesn't just know whether sheep are supposed to go and then when to shear them and when to you know, it's not programmatic only. It's people. And so Mm -hmm. be a shepherd, be a shepherd that pursues these sheep and spends time around them.
0: Yeah. How encouraging. That's so awesome. What a great way to end this episode. But before we go, I want you to kind of tell our listeners where to find you. You've written some books. You've, you co-host a podcast, tell people where they can find you and hear more about you and your story and all your wisdom.
1: Well, thanks, Lauren. I think the easiest place, we kind of put it all on familydiscipleship.com. If you go to familydiscipleship.com, you'll see our books, our podcast, a little bit more about me personally, or if you want to invite us out to an event, all that's on there. We have Our our podcast is fantastic. I love it. We're going to have some great guests this spring when this episode's coming out. We've got a great lineup. We're going to talk through a lot of different things that impact families, Um, but that's also available there. But wherever you listen to podcasts, it's the Family Discipleship Podcast. And then I do have a couple resources for different age groups. We have one book out for parents, one book out for older elementary kids, and one kid's book out. We'll have another book coming out this next year that's more for like babies and toddlers, trying to hit every age range and think about family discipleship. So we're excited about all those things, but familydiscipleship.com is the easiest way to keep up with it.
0: Awesome. We'll link everything in the show notes so people can go right there and check out and keep listening. I will say one of my favorite Recent episodes from the Family Discipleship Podcast was the Q the live Q and A podcast. Nice. That one was by far my favorite. I thought the questions that were asked were so good; it was just great. Right. I'm like, how do I? You guys just need to come out to Colorado. has <laughs> got be. It's gotta be on the list. It's gotta be on the.
1: We'll list. do a live show in the Jackson living room. What do you think? Oh just uh, hanging out.
0: <laughs> That'd be fun. I'm sure Let's my kids would love that. Um, well, thank you so much, Adam, for being on the show today. It was great.
1: You got it. Thank you, Lauren.
0: Friends, that was such a great conversation with Adam. I'm so grateful that he was able to join me on the podcast and talk through the relationship between a senior leader and a kids ministry staff. Adam obviously has a huge passion for family discipleship and that seeps into every conversation that he has, including this one. And so we were grateful that he was able to take the time to have it. If you want to hear more from Adam, whether on the podcast, in one of his books, or stay tuned for his latest devotional book, Hitting Shelves, I think in the next couple of weeks, you can head to the show notes. Everything will be listed there. I know the Family Discipleship Podcast is one of my favorites and I know it will be one of yours too. Don't forget, you can download the guidebook to help you think through these next series and weeks of discussions as we talk about the relationships that impact and influence kids ministry leaders. As always, we would love for you to join us over on the socials at Kids Ministry Circle to keep the conversation going. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.